welcome to a bonus episode of Colored Red, a podcast that's all about true crime. My name's Laura, and today's bonus episode, um, the information for it comes from a book called Murder in the Mile High City by Linda Womack and Linda Jones. And I have used that book many, many times and mentioned it, but can't hurt to mention it again. This is a story about a really dark moment in Denver's history that I've been searching for really the right time to bring up, and I'm having trouble deciding if now is the perfect moment or a really inappropriate moment, but there is a little bit of racist rhetoric going on right now against the Chinese. So I thought now is a really good time to learn about the Denver Chinese riots of 1880, because you know, as is all history, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's important to learn how to be better from it. As Denver entered the 1880s, it experienced this really profound economic boom brought in by the mining industry as well as the Union Pacific and Kansas Pacific Railroads that were established in 1870 here. And they really made Denver a railroad hub for the entire West. Denver became this hotspot of warehouses and industry, all nestled really close into the city center. And so with so much industry going on, the labor market became a free-for-all that soon tightened and became really competitive in terms of wages and how low that they could possibly go. And the competition, like I said, wasn't necessarily for skill. It was for the cheapest possible labor and thus racial tensions began to escalate between American laborers and immigrants. So with laborer tensions came labor organizer tensions. Every capitalist wanting to bank on this economic boom started to take a side in terms of the laborers that they supported. Yet it would seem that every labor leader of every race and nationality other than Chinese decided that they all hated the Chinese likely because their culture was the most foreign to xenophobic Western pioneers. One writer for the Denver Post actually stated that during this time, the Chinese were considered disgusting and gross, but that was incredibly ironic because the Chinese were the ones who were cleaning most people's houses and doing their laundry for them. Joseph Buchanan, a Denver labor leader, was against Chinese labor within the city, and he had some really bureaucratic things to say about it. Like, he believed in the brotherhood of man regarding the Chinese, and those were his words. But he also said he believed in the brotherhood of limited, whatever that means. Denver's Italian vice consul Giuseppe Cuneo decided to denounce the Chinese as, quote, a class of creatures my people are sold to every day, a curse to their own people, a disgrace to their country, and a stain upon any country that gives them hospitality. Unfortunately, this type of racism against the Chinese gained favor throughout the city and even made its way into politics in 1880. Territorial Governor Edward McCook made a speech back in 1970 saying that we needed the labor and that we should welcome the Chinese. And that sounds really nice, but he made a point to add his own racist and sort of creepy twist, saying that, quote, they are exceedingly muscular, and if first we can avail ourselves to their muscle, we can attend to their morals afterwards. With this so-called blessing of the governor, railroad and mining operations were most focused on hiring Chinese laborers. And 
Maybe hiring is a really strong word here because they really were the laborers in Colorado that worked for the absolute lowest possible wage. So in 1880, just under 1,000 Chinese immigrants lived in Denver, and they brought various businesses with them, including laundry services, which was the most popular one, restaurants, markets, and unfortunately, opium dens. The largest concentration of opium dens were located in the 2000 block between Holiday Street, which is now known as Market Street, and Blake Street. This area of town was known as Hop Alley, and here's an excerpt from the Denver Post in which a reporter named Forbes Park Hill describes Hop Alley during this era. On either side of a dim, narrow corridor, the visitor found tiny, windowless, board-partitioned cubicles, barely large enough for a cot, and a taborette containing the opium-smoking layout. As a police reporter, I once took part in a raid on these firetrap opium joints. The raiders were empowered to make arrests only when they discovered a smoker in the act of hitting the pipe. The patrolman would boost me up to look over the transoms. If I found an addict actually smoking, he was arrested. The raid netted a number of white men, a few Negroes, two Chinese, and no women. And I have to remind you all, I am using this as a quote here. The only woman addict I ever knew of was a 22-year-old named Ava Latour, one of Maddie Silk's girls, who killed herself with opium. Once smelled, the sweet odor of opium smoke is never forgotten. Sometimes this not unpleasant odor seemed to fill Market Street. And I added in the Market Street part because he called it Holiday Street. And then here's an excerpt from the Rocky Mountain News, who ran a piece about this area in July of 1880 commenting on the conditions of the area. Quote, Outhouses crowded together near the sleeping and eating compartments, their contents overflowing into the yards, filled with piles of ashes, decayed vegetables, chicken feathers, and other refuse. A combination of smells the most horrible. So with these descriptions of this area running in the newspapers, um, racism was really stoked in the city in the summer of 1880. There was no comment on what kind of socioeconomic situation the immigrants in this area were brought into, nor their pay, more just hatred and disgust, and seeing the people living and running businesses in Hop Alley as lesser than human. So in 1880, there was also a presidential election going on. And both parties rallied on talking points involving Chinese immigration, as this was a really hot topic in many United States cities at this time. Republican presidential candidate James Garfield favored Chinese immigration, and his opposition, Dennis Kearney, an Irish founder of the Working Man's Party, led a campaign to ban Chinese immigration because he feared that cheap Chinese labor would threaten the livelihood of the white working class. And I have to remind everybody going forward that at some point, um, the Republican and Democratic parties sort of flip-flopped into being what they are today. And back then, the Republican Party was considered the more Democratic Party of today, basically. So that's just a really simplified version of what happened with those parties. In Denver, the Democrats ran a campaign against Chinese labor, and the Rocky Mountain News followed behind and ran articles attacking opium dens. They called the Chinese the pest of the Pacific, and they incited rioting against Chinese to drive them out of town. 
Thus, all of this racial tension led to Saturday afternoon of Halloween Day, 1880, in which several of the Democratic Party members organized a march through the streets of Denver carrying anti-Chinese banners, and word spread quickly among the working class and a full-scale mob was created. All of the action really got going in a bar called John Asmussen Saloon on the 1600 block of Wazee, where an argument broke out between two Chinese immigrants over a game of pool in front of drunk white customers. One of the white customers hit one of the Chinese men with a pool cue, and as this happened, the other Chinese man playing pool shot at the white guy brandishing a pool cue and missed. But the other patrons in the bar quickly ran into the streets to say that a white man had been murdered by a Chinese man. Within minutes, a mob descended upon Hop Alley. They broke into all the businesses, destroyed everything, and beat the owners. And any Chinese attempting to flee were caught and beaten. This included women and children. Police rushed to the scene, but by 2 in the afternoon, the mob had reached 3,000 people. Mayor Richard Sopris ordered all the bars closed, and he called upon the fire department to help subdue the crowd, and the mayor ordered that the water hoses be turned onto the mob, which was now pretty much just all white people. The water hoses just enraged this mob that was going on, and they returned to Hop Alley for more destruction, and by the evening, the entire area of Hop Alley was pretty much up in flames. And unfortunately, this is when the lynching began. One victim named Sing He hid out in an outhouse, and when he eventually emerged, he was apprehended by the mob. He had a rope put around his neck, and he was dragged through the streets. And fortunately for him, others intervened, and he lived to tell this tale. The mayor now appointed a new acting police chief, since the police at that point didn't have one because their previous one resigned. And so he chose General David J. Cook, and Cook assembled two militia units. One was called the Governor's Guard, and the other was called the Chaffee Light Artillery. So these two units were attempting to subdue these mobs. The mobs quickly attempted to ambush the militia, and they were at first ordered to fire on the ground and then point their smoking muzzles at the crowd to scare them. And this tactic actually worked in some areas, and the mob was brought under control in small pockets, but not in others. One Chinese laundry business owned by a Sing Lee was located at 19th and Lawrence, and the mob threw bricks through the windows and broke the doors down with hatchets, and they found workers hiding inside, and one particular worker hiding under a bench was named Luke Young, and they dragged him outside while setting the laundry business on fire. They then proceeded to beat Young and drag him around on the ground by a rope around his neck. The mob then tried to hang Luke at the corner of 19th and Arapahoe, but couldn't. And they continued dragging him around by his neck through the streets of Denver. And so while dragging him around, a few men stopped these mobsters and freed Luke Young, um, one being Dr. Cotton C. Bradbury, and Bradbury took Young to his office and tried to make him as comfortable as possible because he noticed immediately that his beating was incredibly severe. And a reporter for the Rocky Mountain News, for whatever reason, was in the room as Luke Young died. And here is what was printed in the paper. 
Blood was issuing freely from his mouth and nose. An examination showed a face and neck much swollen, the signs of a rope being visible on the ladder. The teeth had been knocked in and kicked out, and there was a deep wound on the top of the head that had apparently penetrated the skull. There were bruises all over the body from hand to foot. And curiously, this reporter from the Rocky Mountain News really declined to mention anything about the fact that Luke Young was murdered. So this proceeded on through the night, and finally, the opposition to the mob gained some ground on November 1st, 1880, and the rioting was stopped. But the Rocky Mountain News didn't stop inciting the racism, and they ran this headline the following day. And I quote here, Chinatown no longer exists. Washy-washy is all cleaned out in Denver. No joke, that was their headline. And they decided to just not even run the story of Luke Young's murder at all. And out of all this, there were some brave and uplifting stories. For instance, Mayor Richard Sopris um, actually hid a number of Chinese people in his own home. And a local shady gambler defended a Chinese laundry with his revolver and took a dozen Chinese to the arcade gambling hall for safe refuge. And here's my favorite, Lizzie Preston, the owner and madame of a brothel, got her girls to confront the rioters with shotguns, fireplace pokers, champagne bottles, and even their own heeled shoes. And they themselves sheltered over 30 Chinese people in their brothel. Acting Deputy Sheriff William Roberts said this about this brothel. The four Chinese were secured for protection in the side parlor of Miss Preston's brothel. By the end of the riot, the madame had sheltered 34 Chinese. That day, the pariahs, the outcasts of society, the denizens of Holiday Street, the center of the red light district, put themselves in the Hall of Fame, and perhaps the recording angel gave them one white mark. And so merely days after this ended, um, the elections in the United States took place, and this greatly affected them. Three days later on, the election day happened, and the Republicans swept the elections. The Denver Post wrote an article saying that it was the Democrats' fault for inciting the riots, and the Rocky Mountain News blamed Mayor Sopris for not taking charge early on. The Chinese immigrants who had been held for their protection were released only to go home to destroyed homes and businesses. The damage to Hop Alley was around $53,000, and that's just around $1.3 million adjusted for inflation. The Chinese consul asked for reparation payments, and they were denied. Most of the murderers of Luke Young were arrested, but eventually released due to a supposed lack of evidence. But some did go to trial, but all of those that actually went to trial were eventually acquitted in February of 1881, so there was no justice for Luke Young. Thus was Denver's first official race riot on record. Many anti-Chinese race riots swept the nation at this time, and the top three largest and most violent riots in record were Los Angeles in 1871, Calgary in 1892, and Denver in 1880. And the racism continued in Congress, who ended up passing the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, which essentially restricted additional Chinese immigration into the United States for quite a while. And so there it is. There is currently a plaque hanging near this Hop Alley area in downtown Denver. So if you guys want to go for a walk during this hellhole that we're living in and take a look at that, 
That's probably a pretty good idea. That's the only piece of the old Chinatown of Denver that's really remaining. That entire area of Lodo used to basically be a massive Chinatown, and it has since been systematically destroyed. It actually briefly got back running up in the early 1900s and then was essentially priced out yet again. And now Denver completely lacks a Chinatown, but we used to have one. And of course, as I'm sure you all are aware, there is a restaurant downtown now named Hop Alley that's a Chinese dim sum restaurant as far as I'm aware. So that's it. Hang in there, everybody, and I'll have a end-of-the-month episode for you guys. Until next time.